No Man Should Ever Walk Alone with Danny Frawley. Thanks a lot, Cam. Now, it gives me great pleasure to introduce again uh, Stuart Taylor from Springfox, powered by Resilience. Good evening, Stuart. Hi, Danny. Good to see you. Good to see you. It was about a month ago we, we talked about your background, your journey, and we're touching on the word resilience. And I must admit, um, it's resonated with a lot of our callers, a lot of our people that get on the text machine. And we talk about the word resilience a lot, but what is it? I think it's a word that is uh, really misunderstood. In in many cases, people think it's purely around coping, yeah. and uh, resilient people are great at coping, uh, or you know, stiff upper lip, if you yeah. like. Uh, when I look at the word resilience, I think it's much more than that. Yeah, sure, it's about bouncing back yeah. when, when you take a hit, but I think it's also around how do you thrive in life. Because a lot of people, um, you know, I'm sure managers are out there. Stuart, I want you to be more resilient tomorrow. It just doesn't happen overnight, does it? It is something that you learn. I think uh, it's, it's very clear in the research that we published uh, around a month ago that you actually get more resilient as you get older. Mm. Uh, so that's that's interesting. I think part of that is... Is that because of the knowledge you gain and your experiences you, you have more than... I think it's a huge part of it. So we know that the more experiences we have, the more perspective we have. Yeah. And so though that... Those things that used to give us grief mm. really are more insignificant than we possibly used to think. So when you get a little bit older, like we are, you, the the mountains are only molehills. But in the before you become resilient, those molehills become mountains. Yeah, I think you just don't know what you don't know, and yeah. it's, uh, particularly in your teenage years and even into your twenties, everything is new and exciting, but also can be devastating when that first failure happens. Mm. We're just talking off air about, you know, now's the time where a lot of families are going through their eldest or youngest, um, the VCE, you know, they're, they're, they're flat out studying now. I've got my youngest daughter going through it. So I've been through it twice and I must admit, um, the resilience just to keep studying and and to keep at it. And then obviously got the exams, which are for a lot of people, the be all and end all, you know, the mark, the VCE mark and um, gets them going. But then, because there's a great supporting network, you know, us as parents, you've got your teachers, they're having, you know, tests, studies. But then they go to uni in Australia and uni's a little bit different to America. I've been lucky enough to have two girls to go through it over there. They, They still have the same supporting network, but the students now go from VCE where everything's around them. And they do get a lot of resilience through that, you know, the pressure situation. But then they go to uni and they're left for own, their own devices somewhat. And there's a bit of a fall down scenario. Yeah, and I'd even actually say that that fall down is a positive thing. Yeah. Being left to your own devices mm. and realising actually you do need to grow up a bit perhaps. And it is, it is some of those mistakes that you make yeah. where you learn most of your resilience. Yeah, you actually don't learn resilience lying on the beach in, in Bali. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why people beat up themselves too much, don't they? Because these, to become more resilient, you do have to have a few, a lot, well, a few or a few major hiccups, don't you, along Absolutely. the way, whatever that is. And I think that's how you gain resilience. People think, oh, well, I've got, you know, I've got millions in the bank and, I'm really healthy, you know. My my children are healthy; they're going well. Gee, I've got a lot of resilience. 
they may well have that, but it, do, it doesn't just sort of fall off trees, does it? No, but also I'd say most of the issues we have with our resilience is because we focus too much on ourselves. Yeah. And, and ultimately those that are playing really hard with this concept, they're actually focused on others. It's actually not about them anymore. Mm. So it's not contributing to the, the betterment of society or, or improving life for others. You care less about where you're up to at that point and you thrive. I know you do a lot of seminars um, through your work at Spring Fox. And just for the people out there, if you want to get in touch with Stuart, it's www.springfox.com. A lot of sporting teams, and that's probably where I, I gained a lot of my resilience um, as an individual, having the ups and downs, uh, striving to get a league game, and then obviously coaching goes to a whole new level. The resilience you, in our game of AFL football, it's it's very much publicised. So it's not like community coach. You, you get well paid, and I think people look at that and they say, well, oh, well you know, Danny Frawley is coaching, which he gets well paid. He, he can get through that, but... See, some of the resilience that I learnt um, through coaching has put me in such a, a a good place going forward because when I had my uh, breakdown somewhat and got major depression out of it, the coaching side of it actually got me through mm. a hell of a lot because I did have to become very resilient because you're losing three or four games in a row, you've got all the players looking at you, you've got your sponsors, you've got your board, you've got your, your other coaches and your supporters – and then your family wanting you to get through, and, and you do have to dig deep. And I think that's some of those things that I learned through um, the team aspect of being resilient is very much different, isn't it, between uh, individuals and teams. And I'm sure that you do a lot of um, corporate work on individuals, but also in a team ethos as well. Yeah, for sure. Even if you pick up the, the team uh, aspect of resilience, the teams that really thrive, like... Mm. Uh, you aim to create in a coaching environment mm. uh, are those where you have people playing to their strengths mm. and yeah. having that peak experience because they're doing what they're good at and uh, not putting them in a position where they're trying to do something that just isn't their thing. And I know that um, later on in my coaching career, it was only when I sort of left that I thought that the point you made there, I was actually trying to get some players, a bit like the analogy I was that they might have been a round peg trying to put them in a square hole. They they were what they are what they are, and I think that's the beauty of a team as, aspect, and more importantly, coaching. And you look at Buckley, Adam Simpson, and Damien Harwick; they've thrown the negative connotations of what you can't do out the door, yes. and they actually look at the individual and say, "This is what you can do, and do it brilliantly." We know that there's probably something there you need to prove on. We'll still work on that. But you're in this team because of your great running and your great skill. So let's really build on that. And I think society, we, we tend to look at, don't we, at times what we can't do and why we're employed. Because I always look at a, a senior coach, and I, as I said, I forgive me if I keep using sporting analogies, but when a coach gets moved on, they have all this stigma about them. Oh, he can't coach. But they sort of forget why he was put in that position. And then the of unbelievable experiences he got through whether it was good, bad or otherwise. And all of a sudden, coaches in our game, if they don't have success at one club, they sort of get put on the scrap heap somewhat. They get back into a secondary role. But as you know, the the, in, in, the CEO goes through a lifespan of probably four or five years on average with that company. He could have anywhere between 10 and 
or sort of five and six CEO jobs, and I'm sure he's a better CEO the next time around compared to the first time. And so I think that really is part and parcel of this idea of of resilience. It's actually a a, a, a time for growth. Mm. You actually grow when you are put against a challenge. You have the courage to actually step up to the mm. challenge, which is a huge part of resilience, and you come out the other side of it actually a stronger, uh, more positive, mm. and more competent person because you have kicked another goal. Mm. And that's the thing about people that look at, oh, you know, glass half empty. I, I tend to, and I was one of those, there's no doubt that I would look at um, scenarios, whatever it was, there's always a negative to it. But now I look at the glass half full. And I think at times, as you rightly said, that that glass half empty can get really empty if you keep focusing on the negatives. And I think Resilience is something that, um, for a lot of people out there, they're not quite sure how to get through it. But as you rightly said, if you if you get through the down times, the good times should be a hell of a lot better. And a big part of getting through a lot of these challenges, of course, is the support of people around you, because they can help you to keep perspective yeah. that you're actually doing okay. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. And you know, you talk about you know being glass half empty. Well, resilient people know that actually. Uh, having this idea of realistic optimism does allow you to move forward. Mm. Uh, not delusional, but to be realistically optimist, um, optimistic says, actually, I can uh, do this thing and give it a fair crack. We're going to go into, after the ad break, um, the book that you gave me last time, you've, and I've brought it in today, and you've got one, The Resilience Enables Strategic Agility. Um, and it's a, the global resilience. Obviously, um, the founder, Sven Hansen, um, of the Resilience Institute. But I I just want you to, before the ad break, go through these if you can, because it says here, what is resilience? And I think a lot of people out there, including me, um, five or six years ago, wouldn't have really looked at resilience as being one of the, the key drivers of, of what makes you as a human. Um, so it's a learned ability to demonstrate, but you've got here the word bounce, and underneath that, toughness and recovery skills. I think this is almost the most basic definition of resilience. When you take a hit, yep. you get knocked over, do you get back up again yeah, and keep, keep moving? It really is a fundamental element. And uh, to my point earlier, hopefully we think life is a bit more than just yeah. getting back up again. That's right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's actually about how do you take your skills, mm. put them into action and make a difference. And that's where these other three words on this page that you Yeah, we'll go through them. Through. Grow. Yeah, sure. Grow. Uh, it's got underneath... Obviously, the actions infused by change and challenge. Yeah, so with courage, I actually look for new things mm. to do uh, to utilize those skills uh, because without that, I end up in a comfort zone. Yep. And a comf comfort zone ultimately leads to boredom mm. and guess what? Leads to a downward spiral. Mm. And that's uh, not, a, not a sustainable position. Okay. Connect, um, respect and care for others and nature. Humans are... Uh, social beings. We're not individuals who like to be on our own. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are team players, not individual players. And when we do connect with others, we do move forward together. Without it, we talk to ourselves too much mm -hmm. and we talk ourselves down that spiral. And, and the last one, flow. Develop uh, talents and opportunities. Yeah. Flow is this great concept. It's it's actually all about sport, actually. Mm. Yeah, well, I, a, this one is the one that really hit yeah. me between the eyes. Yeah, it's a, there's a... A professor uh, uh, 
very well known uh, Cheek Sent Me High talks about this concept of flow, which is where I put my skills against a high challenge mm. and I absolutely nail it. And when I do, when mm. I hit that little golf ball over the, over the creek and I think, wow, that's just fantastic. Uh, I've brought all of that together when I, uh, and you can apply mm. that to anything, whether it's a, in AFL or whether yep. it's in the boardroom delivering that speech, whatever, Your family. whatever the situation might be, the family, uh, you can, achieve this concept of flow where you just feel like you're in a bubble of performance. Mm. I only had that last night playing golf. I For about three holes, I was in the flow. I was just, <laughs> I was hitting the ball unbelievably. And then I had a change of mind. I thought, I'm actually really good at this game. Yeah, right. And I tried to hit it harder yeah. and it went back to the reality. But it was amazing there for three holes. I wasn't focusing on anything other than just getting the ball back, swinging through, following through. And then all of a sudden, I just got ahead of myself, um, and it was amazing how it just brings you back to um, thinking, okay, you've just got to do the things that got three, because all of a sudden, I thought I was Tiger Woods all of a sudden, which is never going to happen. That's the funny thing about that sport. When you overthink it, you really do uh, struggle. When you're in flow for those uh, three holes, you're absolutely just doing what you were there to well, do. Well, I was playing with someone the other day um, who's a really good player. He's actually just about ready to go into the hopefully get on the, the PGA Tour in Australia, and he plays off plus five. So wow. for yeah, the uneducated, great. yeah, he's got to have five under the, yes. to meet his handicap. And he said to me, he said, you're worried about your feet, you're this, you're that. Just swing the ball. <laughs> Just get it get it back as far as you can and then follow through and get the weight on your, your back foot on the backswing and the front foot and just go for it. It was amazing <laughs> because I was thinking an ABC, and as you said, your mind's only – well, we give a lot of thoughts going through, but golf's one of those few sports that you can only have really one thought, yeah. and that's just get get the ball down there as far as you possibly can. So after the break, and we'll just talk about obviously this page, and then we'll go into the into the research that you guys have done, which is outstanding. When resilience is developed at a personal level, leadership and organisational level, strategic agility is enabled. Can you put that in layman's terms for us, Stuart? Most of us are afraid of change. Yep. And we're yeah, that's a very good point. And fatigued by change. No doubt. Uh, when you get this uh, concept happening for yourself and for others around you, you're able to uh, welcome change and make those moves that you want to move to actually uh, achieve the positive things in your life. You're making too much sense. We're just going to have a quick ad break and then we'll come back and get right into this book about uh, why resilience and the research that your company's done, which is absolutely outstanding. No Man Should Ever Walk Alone with Danny Frawley. Thanks a lot, Cam. Uh, as you know, it's uh, brought to you by Chemist Warehouse, um, the, the cheapest brands around, and obviously Mercedes-Benz Waverley, which is absolutely outstanding down there, Stuart. I'm not sure what car you drive, but if you're in line for Mercedes, get down to Mercedes-Benz Waverley at Springvale Road. So before the break, Stuart, we were talking about this magnificent research that you guys have done, the, Go the Global Resilience Report 2018. So what, what are the, some of the key factors that come out of this research? Yeah, thanks, Danny. The, the report is uh, based on over 21,000 people across the world, so it's got a, a nice uh, size 
that gives it the the credibility that it de- deserves. I think uh, one of the first things I was a little astounded by when we did the the research was that Australians come come out as the lowest uh, of all the countries across the world, which uh, it really did uh, surprise me. And when you do, that's look, interesting. Yeah, it really is, and it's not what you would think. You think, oh, we're such so so relaxed and we're so easygoing. Reality is uh, that's not how it uh, translates uh, from a resilience perspective. Mm. And you, you can see you know, some of the uh, factors that support us, no doubt, are around our fitness levels. That buys a huge amount of our resilience. But we seem unable to focus and we spend so much time worried about the future okay. that uh, we're in a downward spiral rather than out there thriving. Because you've, you, you've broken it down here um, into the asset factors. And as you said, the Netherlands, and we'll talk about why. Well, we'll let's talk about that briefly. Netherlands, France, Germany, Switzerland. A lot of those European companies are right up there. Why, why is that? Yeah, so it, it seems they, they have a, a better balance in terms of not being overloaded, uh, staying in the present, uh, pulling back on that self-critical you know, perspective. Yep. And we talked about flow earlier. They seem to have a really great um, mm. mode of getting into flow more often. Yep. And when you do that, your resilience is just shining. Yeah. Uh, if you're not in flow, you're uh, in distress and uh, in not, not a great place. So... We talk about the asset factors here, and obviously you, you, you touched on the reported fitness level. Us in New Zealand, we're, we're sort of always around the mark on a lot of things. And obviously those countries we talked about, they're down the bottom in the asset factors of fitness level. But then you go, as you said, to the flow state, we go straight down to the bottom again. And, and obviously the ability to focus, we're down the bottom. So, you know, if we didn't have the fitness uh, working for us, uh, We've been in a lot of trouble. We've been even more, more challenged. And we know that exercise in particular is one of our biggest uh, protectors uh, from mental ill health. Yeah. Uh, in fact, every aspect of resilience is yeah, improved it is. with exercise. There's no doubting that. So it's, it's a huge asset for yeah, us. It is. But we've got a lot of work to do on some of the more um, uh, particular assets like um, emotional intelligence, like being optimistic yep. uh, and being focused. We're very much still in the, <clears throat> excuse me, the the generational, the fitness can then lead to, oh, I can go out all night now and I can go and do this and I can do and that. But as you rightly said, the, the actual countries that um, go well, and, and obviously the liability factors, feel feel the intensity, worried about the future and being self-critical. We don't, we don't rate that too good in the worry about the, the future and obviously being self-critical as well. Yeah, so I think the worry one is a huge one uh, when we are spending so much time wondering what's going to happen to us in the future. I mean, we look at a lot of our organisations, they're going through huge transformations. Mm. Will I have a job? Uh, what's going to happening to my property prices? You know, all, prices. All, this, all this stuff going on. The more time I spend in the future, this place doesn't actually exist. Mm. The only place that exists is in the here and now when I'm hitting that little white ball or yep. <laughs> or uh, doing my job, whatever that might mm. be. And yet uh, I've got my whole body and brain uh, into a future orientation. So out of these, your company, Spring Fox, do you look at this and say, look, we need to tailor something around this? Because they're, they're quite damning, aren't they? 
Yeah, look, and it's a, I think it's a huge opportunity for individuals to improve. Because the nice, the nice thing about this concept of resilience is it's learnable. It's yep. it, it's not a uh, something that you're born with necessarily. Yep. Uh, you get a lot of it from your yeah. parents, yep. uh, but you can learn it the day you start to mm. put more energy yep. into the concepts. Um, um, like how do I spend more time in the present, for example. Yeah. And focus on the key factors. So those scenarios and and point through here, break through the glass ceiling. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. You, and this is uh, the database, the 21,000 people I mentioned, it's pretty well straight down the line in terms of male and female. And so it's a, a good representative view of of the gender picture. Yep. Uh, what's clear, is there any sort of discrepancies between the male and the female? Oh, significant. And we saw this in our last study, which was about two years ago, uh, on the topic of resilience, men uh, very clearly uh, lead. Uh, the ladies do lag uh, yep. big time. And yep. uh, that's been known for for quite mm. a while. And a lot of the, um, the factors that contribute to that for the female uh, population in this study uh, very much around the self-critical nature of it, so mm. lacking in confidence, uh, I think is a is a huge part of it. Um, having said that, when you're talking about men, and I know yeah. a lot of this program is a lot about yeah. uh, what men can do to uh, improve yep. their mental health and and resilience. You know, we could learn a lot from females as There's well. There's no doubting that. And you know, you look at the where the females do. Um, you know, top the stakes rather than men. It's in compassion. It is, mm. It's in connection. It's in nurturing relationships. And it's just not a strength mm. for males, certainly according to this study. We seem to retreat rather than um, get people yeah. around us so we can actually move forward positively. Yeah, we're pretty stubborn. And I think that's the, the key about breaking that glass ceiling. I think one thing we want to get through on this show is, is to actually talk. Yeah. Talk about your issues. Women, are, I get this, three daughters and a beautiful wife. They, they, they get their issues straight off the chest. Mm. Where ours mull, yeah. and then just they just fester, and then you know all hell breaks loose. So we've just got to we've got to get a hell of a lot better. Fast track the growth in the millennials. So what's that about? Obviously, it's self-explanatory, but. No, no. So the the point I made before around we get more resilient as we get older. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't we be working um, in a more pointed way to say, okay, millennials, millennials, how do we take some of the wisdom yep. that those that have got to those older years? Are they very receptive, the millennials, about they uh, getting better? I, I think more and more so, yeah. for sure. There's a yeah. much more of a, a ear for learning to yeah. say, yeah, I really do want to. Uh, do mm. what I can do to to be there, and I think that's also seen in uh, very much more a uh, an altruistic focus yep. that we've really haven't seen before mm. in in our baby boomers yep. <laughs> that came before. So, my daughters are they going to be more resilient than me because of the knowledge that that hopefully I've gained? Or the the experiences that they've seen me go through, you know, a lot of ups and a lot of downs, will they be better placed? So I think that resilience. Lot, they've got a, a lot of bonuses coming their way. Number yeah. one, they've been around parents who have gone through challenges yeah. and have uh, had to deal with that and yeah. grow through that. Um, number two, and we see this in 
in uh, kids coming through schools now. They're getting exposure to these mm. concepts in their schooling. Yeah, uh, you and I didn't get exposure. No, that's to, right. You know, it was more you know maths and and you English. do a, you do a bit of work in schools too, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah, and it's it's, it's actually happening at that level. Yeah, it's good, isn't the, it? That it's it's a discussable to talk yeah. about emotions, to talk about how I'm feeling, how, how what mm. I'm thinking, uh, and get tools on how to uh, challenge and reframe. And and obviously this book, um, the the model of best practice resilience liabilities, you've got fifty four percent here. Fatigue, we're on page twenty two. Sorry, Mara, I went yeah, I no, skipped no, a couple. You're with you. The the fifty four percent of the fatigue. What? And then the top D style is two percent fatigue. So yeah. So this part of the research was looking at. When you take a really resilient person, which is the top top yep. decile, if you like, yep. the top ten percent, uh, and compare it to the least resilient person, uh, what are the standout factors that really that really show up? Uh, there's two that show up. Number one is fatigue. So if you are somebody who struggles with sleep and investing in sleep and looking after sleep, and you're walking around all day struggling to uh, stay awake and mm. be effective, Function. you will struggle with resilience in general. Yeah. So in a way, it's a pretty obvious yeah. finding, but gee, it's number one to look out for to get your sleep sorted. Well, I think it's it's the number one thing isn't it, for, for all for all people, really. Your sleep yeah. is your number one health scenario, yeah. isn't it, really? And I, I took it for granted. Yeah. Uh, when when that was taken away from me, I'd, gee, I'd, I would have done anything for, for sleep back in, you know, but now I'm quite receptive to... I was worried about sleeping that much and I never slept. Yeah, and I think that's right. And, and when you look at mental illness, it's both an entry point uh, as well yep. as a symptom. Of, no doubt. It, it happens in both directions. And yet when you look at something like uh, how do I improve my sleep, there's so many practical things you can do, like mm. get coffee out of your afternoon yeah. from 2 o'clock. Spot on. And you'll have a deeper sleep. Well, yeah, that's well, a simple thing you can change. And I try to keep away from sugar after dinner. Right. That's uh, just I've got one of those... Metabolisms that the sugar goes straight to the the I'm buzzing, yeah. you know what I mean. So get up at the same time seven days a week. Yep. Another simple idea. And when you do this, you lock in your body clock. Yeah. If you're not, you might as well be travelling overseas the whole time because no, that's effectively how you're living. So the the book, obviously the, the research and the top ten asset gains. Run. Oh, sorry. We, there we go. That, that was the page number four. Top thirty. Rethink mental health. This is where, you know, obviously this one cuts to the chase, doesn't it? I think it does. And it's, it's actually become really clear in this study that we've improved our conversation around the topic of mental health, but I think we've also confused it. Yep. And so when most people are talking about mental health, they're not. They're actually talking about mental illness. Uh, mental health is when mm. you're absolutely uh, on fire. Your 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 brain is yep. there. You're optimistic. You're out there making a difference, and so on. Whereas mental um, illness is when you are yeah. uh, in that downward spiral. So even to get that language right is helpful. It is, and I, I must admit, when people speak of mental health, they go, "Oh, what's wrong? What's wrong?" No, it's actually it's actually good. It's a yes, positive. Absolutely. And yeah. and when I'm in that place then I can have a positive impact on others just by that, that positivity mm. that I'm that I'm emanating. And look when I uh, looked at this uh, these findings uh, around mental illness, uh, what we discovered is that when you do build your resilience, the impact 
on mental um, uh, illness symptoms mm. decreases by 30%. That's, yeah. that's the population uh, impact of uh, taking on these proactive yeah. uh, ideas. Uh, and what was perhaps more um, astounding, when you look at the meta-studies on antidepressants, it's about 3%. Mm. So we're talking about a significant kick yeah. that you get. Yeah from taking on these lifestyle choices uh, around how I sleep, how I think, how I feel. Instead of uh, having a... Yeah, and obviously medicinal purposes are there for uh, for all the right reasons. Not for a minute saying... Exactly right. There, no, exactly right. It's an and, not an all. No, no, perhaps. you're spot on. Yeah, mm. absolutely spot on. Um, uh, and obviously the, you know, the gains in mental health, emotional, physical, um, is, is absolutely outstanding. And, and the, the thing here, you've got... Mental mental health, mental distress, and then resilience. So the mental distress, you want to talk about that a little bit? Because that's obviously where people yeah. are in a bit of a, a bad way. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, it's um, as useful to also understand the entry point to there. And when you, when you look at the concept of a downward spiral, it actually typically starts in a pretty innocent way. Yeah. Be it overload, I've got too much on my plate, uh, I'm concerned about what's going on. Uh, I disconnect. You know, you know, my thoughts are all over the place. Uh, then I get down to an emotional level where I just yep. hold my emotions together, and then physically, uh, I find my immune system starting to to fail. And it's at that point then I start to experience mm-hmm. this idea of mental distress and and ultimately uh, depression. The two of those go, you know, hand in glove. It's amazing when you go to. Uh, we're on page thirty eighty now. Um, Stuart, how, how much money um, it costs the workplace? Yeah, that's that's the mind blowing here. Like the liability mitigation, you're talking, you know, two hundred twenty five billion mm. um, across the U.S. economy. Uh, the bullying in the workplace costs the U.S. economy three hundred billion. Yeah, big big numbers, huge. And you know, when you when you look at uh, some of those numbers, yes, it's absolutely tied to resilience. Part of that tie is through lack of connection we have to yeah. others, uh, and you know protection of our, our our own position. And before we know it, we're actually finding ourselves in that uh, difficult space. When you present, and we'll we'll wind it up shortly and, and summarise it. But if you're going to a company, and let's say you've got sort of five key execs, and you're teaching them resilience, and you know all these. You're giving them some skills from the top to the bottom. But the CEO is sort of in and out a bit, and he sort of looked at his watch, oh, I can only come for half an hour. You're, nearly, you're not banging your head against the wall, but you need the buy-in from the, the head guy, don't you? Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty fundamental. Yeah. Uh, the, a few years ago, probably five years ago, uh, we started to come to the view, uh, unless you've got that top person on board and participating, and walking the talk and out there practicing the ideas of resilience, yeah. then your chances of success are actually pretty limited. It can, you can still make a difference yeah. with the people in the organization, yeah. but you know we've got so many clients where that top person and their top team are totally embracing it, and boy, does it make a huge difference. The energy, the momentum, Spot on. it and, just is huge. And I've seen great analogies again in the sport. With, you know, there's been a, a really successful company called Leading Teams. Right. They've done some great work, and it's all about empowerment, but still 
getting buy-in and you know getting the, the players to actually do it because they're essentially the guys on the field. <clears throat> but they get the players to, to um, get and just handing glove loading teams. But then some of the coaching staffs had nothing to do with it, mm. and it just ends up going pear shaped. So you, you need you need the whole buy-in, don't you? Look, this this is all about being human, and the extent to which the the top leadership does not humanise these ideas, yeah. then it's a transaction. Mm. It's been done for potentially yeah. questionable reasons. And, you know, so often will we see the CEO get up there, a bit like yourself, in fact, and, yeah. and say, look, this is what I've been through. This yeah. has been my challenge. And I wanted to share the journey that I've mm. been on to actually recover and get to a place where I can actually thrive again. And I'd like that to be the case for us as an organisation, that's yeah. where you actually get by in. And look, that's a good way to, to end it, Stuart. Look, thanks again um, for your time. And for those people out there, we'll get on the website, the, the app, and obviously www.springfox.com for all things resilience. Um, it's such an important part of our DNA, Stuart. So once again, thanks for, for coming on. And um, I know your time is valuable. And um, have a great week. Thanks very much, Denny. Pleasure to be here. No Man Should Ever Walk Alone with Danny Frawley. Thanks, Cam. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse and Glenn Waverley Mercedes. We've got Emily Braber on. What a perfect time to get you on in because it's spring in the air, Melbourne and Victoria in particular. We've got spring racing down here. And we're just talking off air about the, the balance you've got because a lot of people go to the marquees, they get dressed up, and the food and alcohol and beverages are laid on. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy that? I mean, exactly. finally, you know. And what about the, like, during the day, have you got any tips throughout the day? And more important, yeah. I think the thing to remember is that it's it's a treat. It's not something that is going to come a lifestyle. So you don't want to not have fun. But Chief and I have a very simple rule, um, and that's that you treat your body like a debit card, not like a credit card. So okay. as long as you're earning your day off in advance or, you know, you know that you're going to go out and have those alcoholic drinks, you know you're going to let yourself loose, loose at the buffet or, you know, around the, yep. the, the hors d'oeuvres and that kind of thing, then you just make sure that you put in the decent workout in the weeks leading up to it and you earn it in advance. What about the next day? The next day. You know what my secret rule is? If you have a glass of... It sounds very boring. And no, I like it. Half of it. I'm writing these down. <laughs> if you have... You start your day with a glass of water and then in between each alcoholic beverage you have, you have a glass of water, you're not going to wake up feeling like absolute crap the next day. Ah, I like it a lot. So obviously the hydration is super important. But what about also yeah. the, the diet the next day? You know, a lot of people, if they... They aren't doing what you've said then and have the water and you've pulled up a little bit seedy, bit of a headache, bit of dry in the mouth and then they're, they're thinking, okay, I need to get a bit of grease into me. What, what should you advise them on that? Well, grease isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you think about keto and you think about all those other things. So if you, I don't know about you, I haven't, I haven't needed one in a long time, but if I was to feel that way, I probably would go straight from the bacon and eggs and sausage, which isn't a bad thing. You know, that's, that's yep. all your proteins that you need. It is, as long as you're not soaking it in oil, it's fine. But I think once you've had a bad day, 
if you wake up the next day determined to just make you know wrong right your wrongs and all that kind of stuff then you know start off healthy go the go the avocado go you know some bacon and some spinach and you'll feel right as rain within a few hours well you've made me feel better already em because i went to the race on saturday and i'm going again this week and i think uh, it's a really good time to hand over to not your better half but uh the man there chief braybron to talk about (laughs) All things fitness when we sort of burn the candle at both ends. So thanks a lot, Emily. No worries. I'll pass you over. Chief, how are we going, mate? Good. How are you doing? Chief, going well, mate. Going well. I'm not sure whether you were listening to M there. We were just talking about Spring Carnival down here in Melbourne. Such a huge couple of months. We get Everyone gets invited to the marquees. You go out, you yep. drink, you eat. Obviously, M was outstanding there talking about the dietary intake. What about... Um, input versus output, mate. Do you do you actually train up for it, and then more importantly after it, what should we do? I reckon that yeah, basically if you know you've got something coming up, you know, in the next few weeks, hit the gym pretty hard or hit your training pretty hard in the days leading up to it. Um, you know, if you can sort of get a bit of credit in the bank, that that's fantastic. Yeah. Also, on the days that you are heading out. There's no reason you can't get up and do like a quick little 10-minute workout mm. first thing in the morning. Again, just get your metabolism up, uh, get yourself you know, pumped up for the day anyway because it's going to be a great day out there. And then you're right, straight after you've, you've done that, don't leave it a couple of days or three days or four days before you start training again. Get back into it as soon as you can, even if it's a light session yep. the next day. Now, you don't have to go health leather straight away, but you need to get back on track as soon as you can. No, it's a very good point because what one thing you you tend to do, oh gee, I've had a big day yesterday, I'll just I'll just have another one today and then you wake up the next morning, oh I'll do it. You've actually That's just right. got to get straight back on the bike, don't you, mate? Exactly right. You need to try and get something going the next day, um, just to try and get that momentum back. Well it's a little bit cheaper well it's obviously better for your lifestyle. It's a little bit cheaper also than doing that than having to buy a new suit about a month later also, That's isn't exactly it? Exactly right. Mate, you don't have to go from uh from season to season, having to up your uh, your girth on your on your pants and your suit. So, no, you want to make sure that you you keep it real all the way through, you know, and have fun. Like, don't be silly about it. Don't, yep. don't restrict yourself too much, but um, just find a bit of a balance. Well, you've been far too kind, and uh, it's been really educational, Chief. Thanks a lot for for coming on you and M. Uh, much appreciated. Cheers, mate. No problem at all. Thanks a lot. That's it, Cam. Back to you, mate, and um, yeah, what a great show. We had Stuart Taylor from Spring Fox and also Emily Brabon and uh, Chief. I'm not sure, well, Emily's the better half, obviously, so uh, good on you, Cam.